Good morning. Scott Luton here with you on this edition of This Week in Business History. Welcome to today's show. On this program, which is part of the Supply Chain Now family of programming, we take a look back at the upcoming week, and then we share some of the most relevant events and milestones from years past. Of course, mostly business-focused, with a little dab of global supply chain, and occasionally we might just throw in a good story outside of our primary realm. So I invite you to join me on this look back in history to identify some of the most significant leaders, companies, innovations, and perhaps lessons learned in our collective business journey. Now, let's dive in to this week in business history. Hey, and good morning. Thanks for joining us here today. I'm your host, Scott Luton, and welcome to today's edition of This Week in Business History for March 1st, 2022. Hope this finds you well, and again, glad to have you with us here today. Hey, today we're diving into my favorite things, one of my favorite things of all time. We're diving into the business side of one of my favorite all-time foods. That would be the Oreo. Yes, the Oreo cookie is celebrating its 110th birthday this year on March 6th. Now that date signifies the first time it was ever sold way back in 1912. As part of that first transaction, the then maker of Oreo, the National Biscuit Company, sold an order to a grocery store in Hoboken, New Jersey. And the rest is history, as they say, both business history and also personal history. Hey, I've loved Oreos since I was old enough to know what they were. In fact, one of my least favorite memories related to my childhood involved the Oreo. Way back in the 1980s, my grandparents had splurged and they took the whole family to Florida for a week. We visited Disney, of course, and Busch Gardens and the Kennedy Space Center, which were all incredible experiences. But one of my favorite aspects of the trip was that I knew that my nan, my grandmother, was bringing a bunch of Oreos, which meant I could eat all I wanted during the week of vacation. Now, sure enough, as I was conducting snack inventory, I saw at least two packages of Oreos. However, I ran into a small problem. I had developed a head cold and couldn't taste food really all week, including those beloved Oreos. That disappointment has stuck with me all of these years, believe it or not. You just can't mess with a kid's Oreos, right? So in today's episode, we're going to be diving into four things you didn't know about the Oreo. So stay tuned for intriguing aspects about this iconic cookie that is celebrated and consumed around the world. But hey, before we get started, hey, we'd love for you to take a moment to offer a review of our podcast and subscribe so you don't miss any stories just like this one here today. We really appreciate your support. And with that said, let's dive right in. So up first on today's show, focused again on four things you didn't know about the Oreo. Hey, where did it all start? What was first called the Oreo Biscuit was a cookie being sold by the National Biscuit Company, AKA Nabisco in 1912. The name Oreo was in fact trademarked on March 14, 1912, but there's no certainty as to 
how the name Oreo came about. Some say the Oreo came from a mountain laurel named Oreo Daphne, a flower. And back in the early 20th century, Nabisco had named many of its products at the time by borrowing from the world of botany. But that's just one of several theories related to the name. Now in 1921, the Oreo biscuit was repositioned as the Oreo sandwich, followed in 1937 by the Oreo cream sandwich, all of which preceded the final name in 1974 as the Oreo chocolate sandwich cookie. Now, are you familiar with the now iconic design on the face of an Oreo? Now, that was developed in 1952 by William A. Turnier, and it incorporates the Nabisco logo. But here's one cookie fact that threw me for a loop, at least. Are you familiar with the Hydrox cookie? Now, my grandfather would have Hydrox cookies in his pantry all the time. They were originally developed and sold by Sunshine Biscuits. Now, I had mistakenly thought for years that the Hydrox was a cheaper imitation of the Oreo. But the truth is actually the reverse. As the Hydrox black and white sandwich cookies were developed and sold some four years prior to the launch of the Oreo. And the Oreo was launched as the imitation product. How about that? But you know what? The story gets even better. Now, the short version is that two brothers, Jacob and Joseph Luce, were running a bakery business together in Kansas City, Missouri in the 1890s. Jacob led the company for a number of years as president until he grew ill and moved to Europe to recover. Joseph would step up in his sick brother's place and lead the company as president. Joseph was convinced that in order to grow the company, they needed to combine forces with other bakery companies. Jacob completely disagreed with his brother, and he wrote letter upon letter from his sickbed overseas to attempt to stop the mergers from taking place. But Joseph refused to be swayed, and he led the successful merger of several companies into a new entity named the National Biscuit Company, of course, again today known as Nabisco. But once fully healed, Jacob Luce got back in the game but not with his brother Joseph. Jacob would form a new company called Loose Wiles Biscuit Company, which did well. In fact, it grew to be the second largest bakery in the US in the early 20th century, second only to his brother's company, Nabisco. And better yet for the Loose Wiles Biscuit Company. They had a cookie that they had developed that was wildly popular and unique. It was called you might have guessed it, the Hydrox. Joseph and Nabisco certainly noticed the Hydrox's success, which is what led to the birth of the Oreo, or what Business Insider has referred to as the revenge cookie. Love that. It would take decades for Oreo to overtake Hydrox, but once it did, the Oreo never looked back. Now, Hydrox would be acquired eventually by Keebler in 1996, and Keebler decided to replace them with a brand called Droxies, D-R-O-X-I-E-S, Droxies. Kellogg then later acquired Keebler in 2001, and Kellogg just killed off the Droxies line two years later in 2003. 
So it's been some 20 years since the cookie industry has heard anything from Hydrox. Now, in some late-breaking cookie industry news, Leaf Brands acquired the Hydrox brand back in 2015, and it's been reported that they plan on relaunching that historic line of cookies in late 2022. Okay, number two on our list. Just who made Oreo the Oreo that we all know today? Samuel J. Porcello, a.k.a. Mr. Oreo, was born in Newark, New Jersey on May 23, 1935. Now, as a child, Sam would spend a lot of time with his grandmother, Estherina Mazuka, who would handle much of the cooking for her very large family. This would help cultivate and encourage Sam's love for cooking from an early, very early age. Years later, Sam Porcello would earn a chemistry degree from Farley Dickinson University in Teaneck, New Jersey, where he worked extremely hard to pay for his college education all on his own. Sam would work as many as three jobs at a time at the same time to make ends meet. After college, Sam took a really strong interest in the cosmetics industry, but once a potential employer found out that he was colorblind, his job search had hit a dead end. In the early 1960s, Nabisco Food Company would hire Sam Porcello as a food chemist as part of the research and development team. Sam immediately brought a lot of new ideas to the table, mainly for improving the current cookie and cracker lines at Nabisco. One of his ideas, as fate would have it, was to improve the cream filling for the Oreo line. Now keep in mind that by this time, the Oreo was already a 50-year-old successful product, a cookie that really hadn't changed a lot in that span. But food science had evolved dramatically from 1912 when the Oreos were first introduced, all the way to the early 1960s when Sam Porcello had begun working at Nabisco, right? Almost 50 some odd years. So you can thank Sam for big advancements in the Oreo cream, which he greatly improved in the 1960s. Hey, my kids owe him a lot for that alone. But it was also Sam Porcello who led the introduction of dark and white chocolate-covered Oreos. If you remember those when they hit the market in the late 80s, they sold like hotcakes. And it was also Sam Porcello who would come up with the idea for double-stuff Oreos, amongst other things. Now, I must add here that according to Dave Anderson in a blog called A Recursive Process, you don't exactly get double the amount of cream in a double stuff Oreo. It is closer to 186% rather than the full 200%, which would be the cream from two Oreos, hence double stuff Oreo. Now, Mr. Oreo, Sam Porcello, would leave Nabisco in 1993 after working more than 30 years. He would later pass away on May 12, 2012, at the age of 76. Now, number three on our list of four things you didn't know about the Oreo, beer. Enough said, right? Now, did you know that humanity's love for all things Oreo even led to one company brewing a beer that was infused with actual Oreo cookies? The Vale Brewing Company, based in Richmond, Virginia, released a beer called the Horns Wagler in January 2017 that was a chocolate milk stout made with Oreos. And guess what? That was popular too. It sold out within a week. 
Now I did a quick Google search and I couldn't find any Hornswoggle available, but maybe you can. And if you do, be sure to let us know where you found it. Now, of course, Oreo has inspired plenty of other products beyond beer, but perhaps none more popular than the Dairy Queen Oreo Blizzard, which has been its best seller since the Blizzard first hit DQ menus in 1985. All of that brings us to number four on our list. Oreo truly, truly dominates the competition more than you know, perhaps. So looking at 2017 data, which was the most recent U.S. cookie industry sales data that we could find, Oreo is the biggest single brand seller at over $674 million. Number two is Chips Ahoy at $619 million, a little bit closer than I had anticipated. Number three is Belveda at a distant $271 million. But get this, number four is Oreo Double Stuff at $251 million in sales. That's almost a billion dollars in revenue in the U.S. alone for Oreo between those two brands. Here's another cookie factoid that may or may not surprise you. Number five and six on the cookie revenue list are both Little Debbie products. It is the Oatmeal Cream Pie at five and the Nutty Buddy at six. Not the fudge round or Swiss cake roll that were popular in the Luton household growing up. In a quick aside about Little Debbie cookies, they are produced by McKee Foods based in College Dale, Tennessee. And yes, there actually is a Little Debbie in real life. That brand name would refer to the granddaughter of the founders, Debbie McKee Fowler, who is now an executive and a board member with the company. Well, that just about does it for this week's special episode of This Week in Business History. It focused on our beloved Oreo cookie. In particular, it focused on the traditional Oreo cookie, although there have been a wide variety of Oreos released over the years, including peanut butter cream Oreo, lemon-flavored cream Oreo, mint-flavored cream Oreo, and the list goes on and on from there. Now, the Oreo brand has been part of Mondelez International since 2012, and Oreos are now available in over 100 countries. Sandra McQuillan, Chief Supply Chain Officer at Mondelez International, is a dear friend of the show and a titan in global business. We've been fortunate to learn from Sandra as she's appeared on several episodes of Supply Chain Now. I reached out to her for a quick comment on my favorite cookie of all time, and she responded by sharing, quote, At Mondelez International, we love our consumers and our brands, including one of our most iconic cookies, Oreo. The world's favorite cookie and America's favorite cookie celebrates its 110th birthday this year and continues to bring fun, playful experiences to fans around the world. And we're proud to continue to make Oreos right here in the U.S., in addition to being made and sold all over the world today. Cheers to Milk's favorite cookie and all of our great makers and bakers at Mondelez International. End quote. Again, thanks to Sandra and the entire Mondelez team for all that they do. So I hope you've enjoyed today's show and that it might have taken you back to one of your own favorite childhood or perhaps adulthood snack memories. Hey, let us know what you think. We'd love to earn your review wherever you listen to this podcast. Of course, my co-host Kelly Barner and I hope that you'll subscribe to the show 
so you won't miss a single episode moving forward. We publish a new episode every Tuesday. With all that said, we wish you a wonderful week ahead. Hey, this is Scott Luton urging you to do good, give forward, and be the change that's needed. And with that said, we'll see you next time right back here on This Week in Business History. Thanks, everybody.